or 14. Um, the 27th is uh, Jen's birthday, so that would be a great birthday present to her if you showed up to help decorate. Um, the only reason I know that is because we share the birthday, and uh, we're birthday buddies. So, sorry, Jen, if you're watching, it's national news now. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that would be a great help. Uh, to her. And then the second thing, um, Alec mentioned the Sovereign Grace Pastors Conference. It was a great week uh, in the Word with brothers. We, we celebrated our partnership, uh, sat under some really uh, good preaching and good singing, and it was a great week. But you know what the topper of the week is? It's here. This is the best place on earth. This is the best gathering on earth. It is home. It is our home church, and we are together singing praises to the Lord, sitting under some, you know, preaching. <laughs> maybe, maybe not as good as some of these guys that we had this week, uh, but every week that I'm not here, I get to sit under the preaching of my favorite pastor. And so there's no better place to be than here, and it's good to be home. Uh, on that note, if you hear my voice, and you're like, whoa, he's sick. It's okay. I haven't run fever all week. It was an allergy thing that like ended up, <laughs> and at first, I thought you'd have Barry White preaching this week. Now you just have like nasally plugged up vents. So I apologize. I would have loved to have Barry White here this morning. It's just not going to work. Mark 14. Starting in verse 12, we read this. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, is it I? I said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me, for the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, 
and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This is God's holy and authoritative word. Father, we ask, Lord, that you help us to see Jesus clearly through your word now. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so I had been working on the rig for, I don't know, probably four or five months, okay? And um, the first, like, truly dangerous situation that I, I, like, experienced was of my own manufacture, okay? So I'd, I'd moved up. I was no longer working on, on the floors. I was working Derek's, and I was working for the guy who ended up, like, training me to be a driller. And, and his boss, the, the guy who was over the entire rig, the entire operation, tool pusher, he's the guy that started me on the rig, okay? And we'd, we'd raised the rig, and then it had like a section that scopes up, right? And uh, we were scoping this piece up, and there was a chain. There was a chain that I didn't take off. And as we're scoping it up, it rips a piece of metal out of the, out of the derrick, right? And man, I heard it, and I just like, I didn't even look. I just, like, I cut and run. Like, you got to have some rabbit in you out there so that you can get out of the way. Now, my tool pusher is standing there. I'm, like, right here. And he sees what's happening. And, like, I turn and run. And, like, I'm surprised that I didn't run him over, okay? Because he's, he's even shorter than me, smaller of stature. And, like, I was in pretty decent shape back then, okay? Like, not as soft as I am now. And he, he literally catches me and he yells at me. You know, kind of shakes me and yells at me like, don't run. Don't ever run from that iron. You got to look at it. Or no, he says, that's how people die. You got to watch. Know where it's going. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he like takes one, he looks up and he takes one step back and grabs me. And the, the iron fell right where we were standing. All right, if you've ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean, it's much like when the mast falls and like Captain Barbosa like steps forward and it's boom. Like it was, it was that close. Which if I would have knocked him over, if he wasn't like seeing everything, it would have landed on probably me because I would have been on top. But um, he was in such command, right? He had complete command of his faculties. He was observant. He knew everything that was going on. He had already seen the trajectory of this piece of metal that was coming down at us. And, and he had enough command to get us out of the way. It was almost like he was in such command that he directed that piece of metal to fall right where we were. Of course he wasn't. He's not God. But as a 19-year-old kid, I was like, whoa, man, this guy's amazing. And it made me realize that I could trust him with my life and that, that he was aware and he knew enough to keep me safe out there. Our text today shows us how much more in command Jesus is. 
than even my tool pusher was of the rig, okay? Jesus is in command. It shows us that, that it, it, we will see this in three ways. He's in command of history. He's in command of his betrayal. He's in command of his death. He is completely and totally, unashamedly, you, you, undoubtedly in command of everything that's happening around him. So let's jump in and see his command of history. Verse 12, and on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went into the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Now look, we've been looking at Jesus teaching about the last days. Then we get to his um, anointing, the anointing of the king, which, which has something to do with the last days as well. And, and, and that would have said something to the disciples, maybe helped them a little bit, because in the speaking of the last days, there was no talk about the kingdom coming. And they're thinking, you're the Messiah, you're the guy, you're the one we've been waiting for. And there was no mention of the kingdom. And then he's anointed and now we see the king, the king ruling, the king in command. And his command takes him to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. Now, the Passover celebration was a, a remembrance, a memorial of the Lord bringing them out of Egypt in the Exodus, right? And, and it was the final plague. It was the plague on the firstborn where where God killed all of the firstborn of Egypt. And how were the Israelites saved? Well, they were saved. Did I say slaved the first time? How were they saved? They were saved by sacrificing a lamb, taking a hyssop branch, dipping it in the blood, painting it over the doorposts and the lintel. And when God swept through, he would see the blood would pass over that house. And part of that ceremony was that they were to eat no leavened bread, okay? So no, no bread that had been risen for a whole week starting on that day. So it required not only a preparation of a meal in a certain particular way, but also of the house. You were to remove all the leaven from the house, all right? And that's what the two disciples did when they went to prepare. As Jesus says, hey, go and prepare, and you'll find a room. Here are the clues to lead you there. It's almost like a, a, a mystery novel. Oh, so we go into the city, and we look for a man carrying water. 
Now, the man carrying water, you're thinking like, wow, what kind of sign is that? Well, men didn't carry water jars, okay? They just didn't. Women carried water jars because they would need the water. They would need a lot more water to prepare the house and to clean the house and to to prepare the meals. Men carried water skins back then, okay? Because why? They had to just make it through. They, They were out, and it's harder to carry a jar, easier to carry a skin. And so they're carrying water skins because they had to make it through the day's work. And so there was a difference in what people would be carrying. So, so this man carrying a jar of water would have really stuck out, would have been an easy thing to spot. And they go and they find it just as Jesus said. They see this man with the water jar and they follow him. And they, they, they go into the house that he went into. They say to the master, the teacher says, where's my guest room? where I may have the Passover with my disciples. And he showed him the room. And they prepared the Passover. Now here's the thing. Scripture is quiet about how this works. Did, did Jesus just know? Or did Jesus prearrange? Did Jesus secretly go to the man and he's like, hey, on Thursday afternoon at about the third hour, I need you to carry a jar of water on this street headed this way and two of my disciples are going to meet you there. And did he go talk to the master of the house? We don't know, okay? But either way, Jesus is in command. We see it. He says, this is what's going to happen, and it happens just as he said. You could say he is in command of historical circumstances and events, and it's just as he said it would be. His disciples saw that. He's in command because everything worked out just how he said. And then they prepared the Passover as they had been commanded. And this now brings us to Jesus' command of his betrayal. Verse 17. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? And he said to them, It is one of the twelve. One who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. All right, so the meal's been prepared, and now Jesus comes with the rest of the 12. And the Passover feast would have been, like part of the feast is a retelling of the events of the Passover, a retelling of God's mighty acts of judgment and of deliverance, judgment over Israel, deliverance over his people. 
All right, and, and it's a celebration of this, of God delivering the Israelites from the Egyptians. During the meal, they would have drunk the first two cups of wine. Okay, There are four cups in this celebration. The first two are done with the meal. They are the cups of sanctification and of deliverance in, in, in typical telling of this. They would have eaten the bitter herbs symbolizing their harsh treatment by the Egyptians. They would have eaten the kerosene, symbolizing the mortar for the bricks that they would make while enslaved. The fruits, symbolizing hope and renewal. They would have eaten the lamb as a reminder of the cost that saving their life came at. And symbolizing the blood that covered and saved the people of God. This was a celebration of remembrance of God's triumph over both the gods and the government of Egypt and his deliverance of his people. As he says in in Exodus 6, with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. This This is festive. This is remembering what God did. Jesus turns it somber and sorrowful by saying, one of you will betray me. One who is eating at the table with him. One who is dipping bread with him. The Psalms say, he who shares a meal with me has lifted his heel against me. Jesus Jesus is likely alluding to that. And they ask, who is it? Who is it, Jesus? It's not me, is it? Tell me it's not me. There is no answer given in Mark's gospel, only the warning. It would have been better for that man had he not been born. And Mark records the disciples sorrow. And in John's gospel, we're told a little bit more, aren't we? In John's gospel, we see that John is is reclining next to Jesus, and on the other side of Jesus is who? Judas, the one who was to betray him. The arrangement of this meal would have put Jesus' head likely at, John's, at, at Judas's feet. You see, when it says that, that John was reclined against his chest and he could lean back and talk with him, well, that means that, that Jesus' feet were closer to John's head, which means Jesus' head was closer to Judas's feet. Okay, This is a, 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 a symbol, a place of intimacy with the one who would betray him. Moreover, when John says, who is it? He says, it's the one whom I give this morsel to after I dip it. And he dipped it, and he gave it to who? Judas. Again, giving food to someone back then, handing it to them by person, was a symbol of intimacy and of trust and of even love and acceptance. Why? This is the guy 
who would betray him. I can't help but think it's Jesus reaching out one last time. And he's saying, man, I'm here. I'm here. Just repent. Come back to me. And he gives him the bread, and he says, what you are about to do, do quickly. Again, if you're going to repent, do it now. Right now. Time is short, Judas. And if you're going to betray me, then go on and do it. Get on with it. And John records what? That when he took the piece of bread, Satan entered into him, and he went outside, and it was night. Jesus was not caught off guard by this betrayal. He knew it was coming. He chose Judas, even knowing what John says in John 6, that one of you is a devil, and he was talking about Judas, and he chose him. He was in full command. Even in the midst of his betrayal, telling him, you can come back or you can leave. Whatever you do, do quickly. And we can often think, I know I have, how how can Jesus for three years Stomach being around Judas. How for three years can he look at him knowing what's coming, knowing that he would be the one who comes and with a kiss betrays the Lord? How can he handle being in his presence? And the truth is, we're no different than Judas, are we? We are all betrayers. We are all rebels. We are all just as guilty of seeking our own kingdom, which is the same as as Judas taking the 30 pieces of silver. Every act of sin is a cosmic betrayal. Every act of sin is a rebellion. Every act of sin is us taking our way instead of Jesus' way. And how often do we do that? How often do we betray our Lord with our sin or with our grumbling or with our doubts and misgivings? See, every one of us is a Judas. And the Lord is kind patient with us, and he comes to us just like he did to Judas, offering, handing us bread, handing us bread, offering us to come back. You see, Jesus is in command, totally, fully. Even in the midst of our betrayal, He's in command and he's seeking our repentance and reconciliation with him. And this brings us now to Jesus' command of his death. 
verse 22. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine till that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now again, the Passover has four cups. They would have drank, drunk, drinking. They would have consumed two by now. Hate that word. When you start going in past tense, it's like, I don't know, man, they, they had it. I believe that this cup referred to here is the third cup. Why the third cup? Well, the fourth cup is, is what's called the kingdom cup or the restoration cup or the cup of praise. The third cup is the cup of redemption. It signifies that God will redeem his people from sin and death. This cup would have also been eaten with a half piece of bread, right? That, that it's been broken in half at the beginning of the meal and then wrapped up in a cloth, most times buried. It's called the afikomen, which means that which comes after, okay? And, and look, I'm not Jewish, so I don't know all of the intricacies there. I'm not trying to convert us to Judaism. But when you look at this stuff, it's crazy. And, and, and this bread would have been buried in its cloth. And all the kids would go hunt for it and search for it. And those who found it would get a prize. They would get a reward for finding the bread, which gives life that had been buried. And Jesus takes this bread, and he breaks it, and he gives it to them, and he says, take, this is my body. It signifies how his body would be broken and marred beyond recognition through physical torture. Scripture tells us that he would not even resemble a human being. He was so brutally beaten and badly scourged. Take. This is my body, broken for you. Then he took a cup and gave thanks, and he gave it to them, and they all drank. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And with that statement, Jesus not only remakes the Passover celebration about him, he makes all of the Old Testament, all of the covenants given about him. Why? Because all of the covenants are built upon the Mosaic covenant. And the, and, and the Passover was part of the Mosaic covenant. And when Jesus makes the Passover about him, he makes all things about him. Because he is before all things. He has made all things. And all things are before him. And his words here echo the first covenant that we see. Okay, second covenant. The first one was Abraham. 
How can I forget that? I wrote a very long paper about that. It was tough. But at, the, at Mount Sinai, when the Lord was giving the law to Moses, he says, bring up the 70 elders. And he brought the elders up, and they slaughtered an ox, and he took some of the blood, and he sprinkled it over the elders and over the people. And what did he say? What did he say? Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Jesus was certainly retelling the Passover, and he was saying that the Passover pointed to him. He is the lamb. His blood is the blood of the covenant God made in accordance with all these words. How can I say that? Because Jesus says the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. Everything that we see is pointing to Jesus going to the cross. And he says, this is the blood. This is my blood of the covenant. And he's going to the cross and the Passover is one step closer to the cross. Jesus is in command. And his command could have done something different. Why? Because he is God himself incarnate. He could have chosen a different route. His command could have done that. When Peter cuts off Malchus's ear, what does he say? Do not do that. Do you think I couldn't call and 12 legions of angels would be here? His command takes him straight to the cross. His command of his death takes him to obedience to the Father's will where he would walk the road up the hill of Calvary. And hang between heaven and earth in a sacrificial death to pay for your sin to pay for my sin, to pay for everyone's sin who would ever believe. He is in command. He's been sent on a mission and he is in full command of everything, including his death and his blood was poured out for the disciples, poured out for you, and poured out for me and countless others. Full command. The cross is no surprise to him. The shedding of his blood does not catch him off guard. He went to die in the place of his people who broke the covenant to take their place in judgment so that we could take his righteousness on ourselves. The Lord's Supper is a living picture of the gospel. That Christ came into the world to save sinners by his death 
on the cross, then is raised, showing that the penalty of death has been satisfied by his blood that has been poured out. Death touched the immortal God so that it could never touch his mortal people. Wow. What grace, what love. The sacrificial act of God the Son in the person of Jesus. Exodus 6. He has brought us out of slavery with outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. The Son of God. had his arms outstretched, and the judgment fell on him. And having poured out his blood unto death, having taken up his life again because he had authority to lay it down and to take it up, he awaits the day when he will bring the kingdom finally and fully to earth. And that day, there will be another Passover celebrated in which the king will finally drink the fourth cup. I think that's what he means when he says, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until I drink it new in the kingdom of God. On that day, on that day, the cup of praise and kingdom and restoration will be consumed in joy by the Lord himself and his people. So what does this mean for us? What is the significance of Jesus not only being in command, but part of his command is instituting the Lord's Supper right before he goes to the garden and prays and then is betrayed and then is crucified by sinful men? What's the point? What's the significance of what we call communion? Well, first, it is a a meal of remembrance. It commands us to remember Jesus and his life, lived perfectly, righteously, completely holy, and obedient to the Father's will and all of his law. It is a command to remember his death on the cross to pay for sins. It is a command to remember that death could not hold him because death had no power over him. Paul tells us that it is even more than a remembrance. It's a proclamation. It is a proclamation of our hope, not in ourselves, but in Christ. It is a proclamation that hope has come to a world twisted, broken, marred with sin that has been groaning ever since Genesis 3 and will continue to groan until he renews all things. It's a proclamation of the gospel It's a proclamation of the future that Jesus will come and bring his kingdom. It's a proclamation that hope is alive for all who would trust in him. But it's more than a proclamation. 
It is a participation in the body and blood of Christ. Paul tells us that it is a participation of the blood, in the blood of Christ when we take, what? The cup of blessing. Which is another word for the cup of redemption, the third cup. Little clues that Paul is dropping for us. It's a participation. He says that the bread we take is a participation in the body of Christ, that we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. But it's more than a participation. It is a picture of the reality of Christ's presence with his people in Matthew 18 and 28 18 where the hardest thing that a church will do church discipline Jesus says what where two or three are gathered in my name I am with them there also and then in in, uh, Matthew 28 what does he say go therefore making disciples make disciples of all the world nations baptizing them surely I am with you to the end of the age. And, and taking the bread and the cup is a reminder of his presence. But how is that? How is how it's more than a reminder, though, I would say. It is, it is, an, it is his presence. How, how is it his presence, though, if he is on the throne? Well, I think Calvin helps us to understand this when he says, by the Spirit, Christ lifts us up to where he is. So there's, there's something going on by the Spirit in our hearts conversing with us of the presence of God. But it's more than a participation. I would say it's a prophetic look forward. It is a look forward to the great wedding supper of the Lamb when we will enjoy the Passover served by the bridegroom, Jesus himself. What a day that will be. It is a look forward to when Jesus finally drinks the fourth cup of the Passover and drinks it new with his disciples that includes us and everyone else who has believed in his name. What a look. What a picture. And it's more than a look forward. When does it end, Vince? I think this is the last one, okay? It's a thanksgiving. It is a thanksgiving of what the Lord has done. Redemption, forgiveness, new life, faith, a changed life, a changed way of thinking, a changed relationship with God, being brought out of the kingdom of darkness, transferred into his kingdom of marvelous light. Many things we have to be thankful for. And in many centuries, the church has called it the Eucharist. It's, it's, that comes from the Greek eucharisteo, meaning to be grateful, to feel thankful, or to give thanks. When we partake of the elements of the Lord's table, we are indeed giving thanks for all that he has done. And so as we take these elements that I forgot once again... <laughs> As we partake of the elements, 
That is what we do. We, it is a celebration of the Passover of the Lord as seen fully and truly in Christ, our Passover lamb, having been sacrificed for his people. It is a celebration of all those things, a remembrance, a proclamation, a participation, a picture of his presence, a prophetic look, and a thanksgiving. Just as the Passover was a celebration of the night God passed over the houses marked with blood, we celebrate the true Passover of God in passing over his people, passing over their sins. Why? Because we've been marked by the blood. It's a reminder that there's nothing that I have added to my salvation except the sin that made it possible. And it's a celebration of the one who came to take it fully. It's a celebration that Jesus is in command and his command took him to the cross. And since he was in command, we can trust him. It's a celebration of trust. So we will now celebrate by celebrating, we will trust again his sacrifice for our sins. And as we take communion, if you have not trusted in Christ to pay for your sins, I ask that you observe this meal. You know, Paul tells us that if we take the bread or the cup in a manner unworthy, and the manner unworthy is that without faith, he says what? That we eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. But if you have trusted in Christ to pay for your sins, church, let's, let's open the bread. Jesus says to his disciples, take, this is my body. Let us reflect on his body broken and given for us. Church, let's eat the bread. Now let's open the the juice. Jesus says to his disciples today, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Let's reflect on the Lord pouring out his blood for many for the forgiveness of their sins.
church to let us drink the cup. And then let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you for sending your son who was not a helpless victim of the Roman government, who was not caught off guard by the events of his betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. No, Lord, he was in command. He took each step with purpose. He took each step with conviction and with hope and with trust in the plan of God to redeem the people of God. Father, let us remember that, Lord. Let us walk in the hope of what he has accomplished for us. Father, if someone is here today that has not trusted in Christ, Lord, I pray that I pray, Lord, that you would grant new life and that that new life brings repentance. No, Lord, that, that was wrong. I pray you would grant new life. New life does bring repentance and that they would repent of their sins as they're being commanded to. And they would have faith that Jesus paid for their sins. Lord, I pray that now for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together.